In reality, they don't represent you. They represent a deep state bureaucracy, a global financial class, and a political class that have taken control of this country for their own enrichment and self-purposes, stealing your wealth and stealing your labor while shipping off our best and brightest to die in expensive, exotic, foreign wars in countries that you've never even heard of. And just like you're fighting for your rights and your American dream, I'm fighting for my rights and fighting for my freedom against the coordinated, corrupt, very politicized forces of evil. I've never seen anything like it. It's weaponized justice. We have a weaponized justice system. I want to indict. Think of this. I want to indict my political opponent. He's beating me. We got to indict him. I think, you know, that works two ways, because when the next one gets in, let's hope that's me. And I'm sure I'd never do a thing like that. I wouldn't do it. I would not do it. But you have an opponent, and you say, let's indict him. And because people know me so well, we know each other very well, my ratings and my approval numbers went up. I'm the only person that ever got indicted where my numbers went up. It's a weird... That's because you know me. I didn't take a salary. I worked my ass off. And we did a phenomenal job. We did a phenomenal job for this country. But for the first time ever, I never thought they indict their political opponent. And what that does is it sets off a, a chain of events that's very dangerous in future years. It could happen to them very easily. The reason Crooked Joe and his thugs are trying so hard to stop me is that in my first term, I disrupted all of it. Oh, did I disrupt? Was that... That was called major disruption. And in my second term, which we're sort of having now, but I don't want the results, right? I don't want the results of this second term. This second term is a disaster for this country. Worst president, think of it, there's never been a president like this. I say that you could take the five worst presidents in history, add them up, and he's done a worse job than all of them added up. But now I'm changing it. I think I can make it to 10 because nobody, you look at our border, you look at everything, you look at our woke military. I defeated ISIS. Our military was so great. I rebuilt it. But you look at what's happening in this country. It's horrible. But in my second term, we'll finish the job and we'll get rid of the cheaters, the liars, the scammers and the criminals. They'll lose their grip on power once and for all. So if you want to save your livelihoods and your way of life, then you need to send a message and join the ultimate strike against the globalist class by casting your vote for a gentleman known as Donald J. Trump in the most important election of our lifetime. I believe this will be the most important election in our lifetime. You know, I used to say that in 2016, and I totally meant it. This blows it away. We're, we're going to lose our country. We're going to lose. We've got probably 15 to 18 million people, the real number, pouring into our country. We have a disaster in Ukraine that would have never happened. We have a potential disaster with Taiwan, China, that would have never happened if it happens. But boy, they are circling, I'll tell you. They want it so badly. And they saw what happened in Afghanistan. They saw what happened with the Taliban. And they say the people they have there now are grossly incompetent. Putin would have never done it. President Xi would have never done it with me. We talked about things, a lot of things. They would have never done it. They wouldn't have done it for another reason also. In the case of Russia, the oil prices would have been so low that they wouldn't have been able to afford it because you would have had 
$40 a barrel oil. And at $40, he could not have prosecuted the war. But at $115, he made a fortune and makes a fortune with the war. It's up there again now. I don't know if you've been watching. It's getting up there again now. So give me four more years and I will give you the end to this horrible globalism that's killing our country. I'll give you the return of the United States of America as the greatest and strongest industrial nation in the history of the world. Together, we will dismantle the corrupt power structure that has feasted on the suffering of the American auto worker and the workers of any kind, not just auto workers, workers of any kind. We will cast from power the financial forces that have turned American cities into ghost towns to build skyscrapers in Beijing, China. We will wield every lever of government to defend you and to hold accountable those who have profited from the betrayal and suffering of the American factory workers. So sad to see. As your 47th President of the United States, I will be your protector, I will be your advocate, and I will be your greatest champion, the greatest champion that you've ever had. On day one, I will terminate Joe Biden's electric vehicle mandate, and I will cancel every job-killing regulation that is crushing American auto workers. I will unleash a thing called American energy, stop the ban on the internal combustion engine, and we will drill, baby, drill, and we will make zero environmental difference. It will have zero environmental difference, zero. In fact, if anything, it's probably cleaner than what they're doing. But it'll save your family a yearly fortune and give you a much better way of life. You're losing your way of life. I will then go to every foreign country where we're paying billions and billions of dollars for their military defense, as I was doing before, and tell them that if they do not massively increase their Purchases of Ford, Chevys, GMs, and Jeeps. Our troops are packing up, and we're coming home. You got to buy our products. You got to buy our products. And that's going to be the least of it. And if we can afford to send hundreds of billions of dollars to Ukraine, then we can afford to have an auto industry that pays our workers a good living wage and keeps our workers working. Having a vibrant car industry is far more important than almost anything we can do for a very important thing called national security. We need a rebirth of loyalty in this country to that end. We will bring back a very beautiful word, protection, financial protection. You're going to be protected financially while we still have the power to do it. You know, there's a run on our currency. They want to take away our currency standards. If that happens, that's the worst thing to happen maybe in our country's history. It will put us in a much different position. But take a look at what's happening. Countries are leaving our standard. In reality, protectionism never truly went out of fashion. Our corrupt politicians just stopped protecting American jobs and workers. And they started protecting the jobs and workers in China and Mexico, Germany, South Korea, Indonesia, Thailand and Vietnam, many other countries too. Under the Trump presidency, patriotic protectionism 
will be the new American way. We want to be protected. That's what we have our government for. We want protection in many ways. And we're going to stop the crime in our cities, and we're going to stop the crime in our country. And we're not going to be nice about it. We're not going to be nice about it. That means protecting our workers, protecting our wages, protecting our jobs, protecting our industries, protecting our communities, and protecting our great, something you don't hear about very much anymore, a great American dream. We had an American dream. You don't hear about that with this guy. This guy walks up yesterday, looks like he's going to fall over standing in front of some people. Looks like he's going to fall over. This is not a leader. The whole world is laughing at us. They respected your leader. Whether you like your leader or not, they respected your leader. They said, we're not going to mess. We're not going to mess. Upon taking office, I will impose an across-the-board tariff on foreign-made goods. I will also pass the Trump Reciprocal Trade Act. That means that if China or any other country makes us pay a 100 or 200 or 300 percent tariff or tax, we will make them pay a reciprocal tariff of 100, 200, or 300 percent. What could be more fair? Right? What could be more fair? I will revoke China's most favored nation. Can you believe they have a most favored nation status? Because they say we are a developing nation. Well, we're a developing nation, too. When you look at our cities, we're developing. We're developing in the wrong way. They are doing the worst job. Democrat mayors, Democrat governors. And we will impose stiff penalties on China and other trade abusers. Foreign auto parts manufacturing will be among our first targets. We're going to bring it home from China and other foreign countries on a very grand scale. That's you, McGee. All right? That's you. And because we want all Americans to win and win big from these policies, we will insist that as tariffs on foreign countries go up, because they tariff us crazily, and then we have these stupid people, some congressmen, some senators, that say, no, sir, we shouldn't tariff them, but they're tariffing us. Doesn't matter, sir, it's free trade. I say, is this guy okay? But when those foreign countries tariff us, taxes, on American workers, which is really what it is, small businesses and middle-class families. We will be doing the same to them, and you will watch things happen that you won't even believe. For one thing, you're going to bring back jobs at levels. You know, China, they put a big tax on us when we sell a car, a truck, or anything. And they say to the American companies, we don't want your trucks from America. Come over and build a plant over here. So they're building plants all over China. How stupid is it? We should do the same thing. And we started doing the same thing, and we were doing the same thing. I gave you the largest tax cut in the history of our country, larger than the Reagan tax cut. And we'll do it again. We'll deliver tax cuts, the likes of which you've never seen before. You will do better, make more money, and have a more secure job than you've ever had before. Best of all, they will be fully paid for by outsourcers and foreign producers who will be paying trillions and trillions of dollars into our Treasury for the privilege of doing business in the United States of America. Isn't that nice? Going to get rid of a big portion of our deficit, too. We're going to tariff and tax them, and you, the American worker, will be the primary beneficiary. And in conclusion, I don't need to tell anyone in this room what the globalist and trade abusers did to the people of Michigan. 
You've seen the lives wrecked. You've seen your family destroyed. In many cases, the families have been shattered and the communities battered, brutalized, destroyed economically and by crime. But my message to you tonight is that Michigan's abuse under Joe Biden will end and I will take you to new heights never dreamed of before, never even dreamed of. The Wall Street predators, the Chinese cheaters, and the corrupt politicians have hurt you. I will make you better. Very simple. I will make you better. For years, foreign nations have looted and plundered your hopes, your dreams, and your heritage. And now, they're going to pay for what they have stolen and what they have done to you, my friends. We're going to do it together. We're going to take their money. We're going to take their factories. We're going to rebuild the industrial bedrock of this country like it used to be many, many decades ago. By the time this battle is over, the rusted out factories will not be here in Michigan. They'll be in Beijing, Shanghai, and other parts of the world. Taking it back. We're taking it back. And it won't be hard. The gleaming new buildings and roaring production lines will be built in Lansing and Flint and Sterling Heights and Grand Rapids and Pontiac. Dearborn and Detroit. Ladies and gentlemen, I've been preparing my entire life for this battle. We did such a great job four years ago. We were unfairly interrupted. Let's be nice about it. We were very unfairly interrupted. But in many ways, this is better because we've seen what a bad job they have shown us. What a horrible job they do. And we'll be able to do things that nobody would have thought possible. And people won't be complaining even a little bit because between crime and all of the jobs that have been stolen from us and all of the factories that have been closing, all of the bad things that have been happening with Afghanistan and with Ukraine and with everything, people will say, wow, we want these changes to be made. We want these changes to be made very, very quickly. Just three years ago, we had a great economy and the strongest borders in our country's history. We had the best, strongest in our history. We were energy independent, soon to be dominant. We had no inflation. We had a rebuilt I rebuilt the entire military, United States military. We gave $80 billion. Think of it, brand new tanks and planes and goggles and 700,000 guns and rifles, 70,000 you make cars. Who has a used car lot with 70,000? And these are nobody. If you have 500 cars, they tell me that's a lot. You have 70,000. And these are armor-plated in many cases. These cost millions of dollars apiece, many cases. We gave them 70,000. You know that Afghanistan is one of the largest sellers of weapons in the world right now? Can you believe it? They're selling all of this stuff that these guys just gave them. How stupid are we? How stupid are we to allow that? We were getting out. I was the one that got it down. We were going to keep Bagram, the air base, because it's right next to where China, forget about Afghanistan, where China makes their missiles, nuclear missiles. It's one hour away. We were going to keep that. They ran from it. They ran from it. They left it. They left the lights on. They left the dogs, by the way, for those people that like the dogs. It's a big question. They left the dogs. But we were going to keep that. We were going to do a job. And we were going to be out. We were getting out with strict, with real dignity and strength. We weren't going to lose those 13 incredible souls that I met the parents and family the other night. They're incredible people. They're so devastated. 
They don't talk about the 38 people that were literally no arms, no legs, the faces blown to pieces, and the hundreds of other people that died. All unnecessarily wouldn't have happened. You know, I spoke to Abdul, the head of the Taliban. We had a rough conversation. I said, listen, Abdul, don't kill any of our people anymore. You kill any of our people, we're going to hit you harder than anybody's ever been hit. And he said, but why, but why do you send me a picture of my home? I said, you'll have to figure that out. You'll have to figure that one out. You're going to have to figure that one out. But you know what? After that, for 18 months, not one soldier was killed in our country. They were sniping him and killing him. And he's still there. He's in charge. Can you imagine the feeling when they said, Abdul, Abdul, the Americans have left. The soldiers are gone. He said, no, 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 they would never do that. Only stupid people would do that. No, no, the soldiers have gone. Before we took the equipment, before we took our people out, we have hundreds of people, maybe thousands, but we have hundreds of people that are American citizens that are still there. We took the soldiers out first. That was the problem. And they should have used Bagram as their place because you had tremendous area. It wouldn't have been that disaster that you witnessed with the planes going up. Remember when Biden said, we'll never have a Vietnam with the helicopters going up? Well, this was worse. This was a plane going up with people hanging all over the plane and falling from 3,000 feet in the sky. That's three times the height of the Empire State Building, by the way. Russia was not going into Ukraine. China was not going into Taiwan. We had our enemies in full retreat. They respected us all over the world. We were respected. Now we're left out as a country. And now we're coming back to do it all over again. And I promise you this, with me as your president, our opponents will lose and our American workers will be the biggest winner of them all. So with your help and with your vote, we will expel the globalists from our government. We will evict crooked Joe Biden from the White House. We will put America and our workers first. We're going to put them first. And we will do something that's very, very special that I've been saying for a long time. And we had it going at a level that nobody ever thought possible. We will make America great again. So thank you. God bless you, Michigan. And God bless you, auto workers. And God bless America. God bless everybody in this room. Thank you all very much. So nice. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Folks are watching as as Trump, 45, leaves the stage in Michigan, and and we'll keep an eye on this and just 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 watch while I just do a quick recap. He, as planned, as predicted, he talked about the re revival of an economic nationalism over foreign nationalism, economic nationalism versus the ultra left wing globalism, as he puts it. He talked about all these globalist dreams like the TP. TPP, NAFTA. He said Barack o Hussein Obama's Korea trade deal was a disaster. And he said that those were all failures. He said 
that the American industry is being gutted by the Democrats. And he said, I, Obama, I ended Obama's war on American energy. So he, he referenced Obama a few times. He said, Joe Biden is a wretched old vulture talking about finishing off the American car industry in favor of the electric vehicle industry. And he said, there's some important policy things he talked about very quickly. On day one is POTUS. I'll terminate Joe Biden's electric vehicle mandate. There's some news right there, folks. Day one, that mandate that's supposed to, that's in effect, that should eliminate all gas combustion engine vehicles off American roads within 10 years. He'll, he'll terminate that, he said. He mentioned the, the other job candidates, the other people running for president are just job candidates. And he said something like, I don't see any of them as VPs, do you? So there's a little bit of news there. Also, he addressed Sean Fain. He's the president of the United Auto Workers. said, vote for me. I'll save you, the United Auto Workers. Big takeaway for me here, folks. When he talks economy, I love it. My big takeaway, Trump is businessman. He's a businessman first. He's a politician second. When he talks economy, the world needs to listen because if he wins in 2024, and right now he's wildly expected to with all the polling coming out, there will be changes. There'll be global changes. China, Canada, Mexico, beware because he's coming at you with, with, with trade deals. So in essence, there you have it, folks. President Donald Trump, our America first president, showing us what it means to be presidential, not just president, and what it means to put the needs of the country, this country, and Americans above everything else. Tonight, Donald Trump offered real solutions to the problems created by both Joe Biden and his Democrat predecessor, Barack Obama. Donald Trump tonight emphasizing his support for the United States auto industry, for keeping jobs inside America. He talked about Mexico. He talked about deals that are good for America. And like I said, America first. That was a stark contrast tonight with Joe Biden, the actual president, who asked anything but like the president, a man who spent just 12 minutes in Detroit. Join me now, joining the picket lines yesterday with the auto workers and the unions in Detroit, all for show but nothing. No there there, folks. All right, let's bring in Peter Navarro, former White House trade advisor under Donald Trump. Peter, good to have you. Uh, you, you listen to it. My big takeaway, the world better sit up and listen, because if Trump is 45 and 47, changes are coming. Peter, what, did you, what was will devastate the American economy. So for me, that was the big takeaway. The rest of it, I was having deja vu all over again, because I, I know in my core, the, the beauty of the Trump agenda, the buy American, the hire American, the bring the jobs home, the, the, the fair trade and all of that. But for me, the, the, the kill shot here to Joe Biden is that EV mandate in Michigan, because that's, that alone could win him that state. And that state's going to be a tough one to win here. You know, he, um, he, he talked about Mexico. He talked about NAFTA. He yeah. talked about yeah. TPP. These are things that were in your wheelhouse, Peter, uh, in, in, yes, in the Trump administration. They worked. I mean, some of these things I'm, you know, I'm not sure I agree with, but they did work. He talked about slapping a, a reverse tariff on China. If we're if they're going to charge us one, two or three hundred percent, it will do the same to them. Sounds like yeah. trade restrictive. But go ahead make the case for it, Peter. Well, I look uh, He's, he talked about the Reciprocal Trade Act. Again, this was very dear to my heart because this is the thing that I worked some of the hardest on. And it basically is the most sensible thing in the world. It will appeal to you, Eric. It simply says that if another country is charging tariffs that are higher than yours, then one of two things is going to happen under Trump. 
either they lower their tariffs to ours or we raise them to theirs. It's the most common sense, sensible thing in the world. The problem is, Eric, is that we have the worst tariff schedules of any country in the world. We are uncle sucker to the rest of the world, whether it's Germany or China or Mexico or anywhere in between. American workers get screwed by the way the World Trade Organization operates, and nobody knows that better than Donald John Trump. And what's, what's, what that's all about is simple, fair and reciprocal trade, and that's what Donald Trump um, is about. So that's what he was talking about. The TPP, that, that the Trans-Pacific Partnership, that was just a way right. of, of exporting our industry to Japan. I mean, it, 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 we, we do crazy things right. because of the you way know, he, he was, it, he surprised me, Peter. He surprised me. He brought up Barack, you call him Barack Hussein Obama a couple of times, which is great. I think he, he nailed it with that. And I think the, the crowd enjoyed to hear that yeah. Trump saved our economy from Barack Obama the first time. Now, the point he's making is he needs to save the country from Joe Biden and maybe uh, Barack yes. Obama's third term. Peter, really good having you on, my friend. Thank you for Aaron, joining my us. my brother. We'll see you on Monday, buddy. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right, let's bring in Greg Kelly, Rob Schmidt, who are hosting some special post-GOP debate coverage tonight. Hey, folks, fellas, folks, I think you have a couple other people there, Mercedes and Jen as well. But Rob and, and Greg, um, any initial thoughts? I mean, I thought I, I think that the policy things that he was talking about, fantastic. Yeah, we had the old I'm going to do great for the country, but hey, we're going to remove these EV mandates. We're going to start slapping tariffs on countries like China and Mexico if they want to play games with them. That was the Trump that I missed from 2016. Well, Eric, great job uh, taking us through the economics of it all. Uh, the speech overall, in my opinion, was, uh, as usual, the best thing on TV. There happens to be something else on television tonight. I have verified that it is thoroughly lame, certainly uh, with the absence of the number one uh, contender for the presidency. A bunch of people in single digits over on another network having a discussion, but you're not missing a thing. That's right. You know, I, Eric, I thought that the, the, the uh, juxtaposition... Uh, Robbie, but Robbie, let ahead. me... Yeah. If, if I may just ask, did you hear what he said? They're all job uh, candidates, and, and I didn't see anyone on that stage, or he said that all the other people running for president, none of them would rise to the level of VP. Yeah. That was pretty telling there, no? It, it was very telling. I, I thought what was really, really great to see was that we got to see a juxtaposition between what Biden did in this same moment and what Trump did. Yesterday was, was about 58 seconds. We timed it out of just garbage, just babbling into the, the megaphone, didn't even know what he was really saying. And then you saw Trump tonight come up there, and I mean, he knows this stuff. He knows this stuff so well. He's talking about these trade deals and, and what happened to this country and jobs loss and what really happens when you, when you give this kind of power to, you know, that the, the union is in bed with the Democratic Party, has been for a long time, and they've sold them out. And the members need to understand that. You know, their bosses might be in bed with Joe Biden, but they're not. I thought that was good. Yep, yep, yep. That was fantastic. Again, he asked uh, Sean Fain for the, the vote. He wants the UAW vote. Yep. Guys, you, you're in great hands, audience. These two fellows are going to take you through the next couple hours of a lot of stuff. So stick around. Up next, don't miss it. By the way, Newsmax has an exclusive interview with that man, President Trump, coming up.
on the balance tomorrow. Bill O'Reilly will be here. So we'll see you right here tomorrow night. I hand it over to those two fellows right there, Greg Kelly and Rob Schmidt. Take it away, folks. All right. Thanks again, Eric. And uh, what else? The new nickname, Eric pointed that out, the wretched old crow, the wretched old vulture, the vulture. for Joe Biden. Man, that was, uh, whew, that was quite an apt description. Certainly, if you saw that picture of Joe on the beach this summer, remember that one? Yeah, it's accurate. All right. Uh, we got Sebastian Gorka standing by, as well as Matt Schlapp, uh, two of our favorites. Gentlemen, welcome. Uh, we've got our eye on two things. Well, we just watched the speech, and uh, we're also keeping an eye on the debate. Uh, gentlemen, your thoughts. Let's start with you, Sebastian, if you can hear me. Hi, Sebastian. Greetings. I love this, uh, the, the Greg and Rob show. We need more of this uh, with a handoff from uh, Eric. I love it. Look, um, Matt, my buddy, was on with me about an hour ago. He nailed it. This has to be a speech about uh, the the, the re recrudescence, the rebirth of economic nationalism. Are you there, guys? Um, and, and on top of that, just that one message, when he just looked at the audience, he said, just tell your union to endorse me, and I'll do yeah. the rest. I'll do the rest. Why? Because he's a businessman. He did it already. Can we just remind everybody watching, as if Newsmax viewers need a reminder, what the state of the economy was when my former boss was in the White House? The biggest economy, not that America has ever seen, but the biggest economy the world has ever seen. That's because of a businessman who's not beholden to the swamp, was in the White House. And doesn't that seem so long ago after the last two and a half years? So he was clear. You want success. You want secure jobs. Vote for me and get your union to endorse me. That's a good point. I think the membership would be totally on board with that. I think so, too. You know, Matt, it was it was great to hear. You know, I, I think somebody that 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 knows what's going on, that is is competent and capable, capable, give a speech. I mean, it was almost like dueling presidential speeches the last two days. Um, Trump was great tonight. I mean, that was a really, really good speech because it it, it wasn't generic in any kind of a way. It, it spoke to specific issues. It spoke to things that everyone in that room knows about really well because they're in that industry. And, and, and Trump knows that industry very well. But Biden does not. Yeah, no, that's the key thing. Look, I think it's really important for your viewers to understand. After J6, corporate America divorced itself completely from Donald Trump. They always, yeah. most of them hated him as president because he was torturing them over their China production, over these tariffs and over trade. Even though he gave them the tax cuts and everything they wanted, he was really pushing them to produce here in America. So these car companies, you can't really call them American car companies, but that's kind of what we know them as. And, you know, their production is mostly overseas. They're really not American companies. And they have no communication with Trump and the team around them. So let me tell you what's about ready to happen when Donald Trump gets reelected. Corporate America that went left and went woke and, uh, and decided that anyone like Sebastian or myself was untenable to deal with, they had nobody to then reach back out to this new Trump team. So for all the rest of us in America, all the voters, all the regular people, we love this. We're going to have the seat at the table. Those workers on strike, you have a seat at the table. Your CEOs, they're going to be out in the rain and out in the cold. This is a great thing for the Republican Party. We married ourselves to all of these woke CEOs, these large publicly traded companies that really hate us, hate all yeah. their customers. And we have a chance to do this right this time. This is the most important part of this entire presidential election. Well, Matt, we appreciate it. Sebastian, we appreciate it very, very much. Great insight, great observations, and uh, some people familiar to all of us, especially you, Matt. Mercedes Schlapp is at the table with us, along with Jen Pellegrino. I miss her. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome all. Um, all right. The speech was great.
But what about this debate? All right. Any initial reactions? We're kind of keeping an eye on it. Anyone? Anyone? <laughs> I, I've been tracking. What debate? Yeah. I mean, I, I've been tracking the social media. I yeah. have to tell you, I'm not seeing very much activity coming from social media on the Fox, de the second Fox debate. I think in the first one we saw a lot more of that. But my first of all, my initial reactions: when you have Chris Christie and Ron DeSantis deciding that they're going to attack Trump, that's their first moment in, in this debate. I think. That hurts uh, Ron DeSantis even more. He's got to stop with this uh, initial attack on Donald Trump. I mean, the MAGA voters, the ones he should be attracting, are now uh, feeling that, you know what, we can't be with a guy who's going to go after uh, Donald Trump who actually put Ron DeSantis on the map. Mm -hmm. You know, it, Jen, I, I just want to real quick cut in because we yeah. do have an exclusive interview with former President Trump. He just stepped off the stage, you know, 15, 20 minutes ago. Uh, John Bachman uh, is there with him uh, in Michigan, just north of Detroit. He's going to speak to the president and feed that back to us. We're going to get on the air here very soon. Uh, yeah. Talking about the debate, though, <laughs> tonight, you know, it, they, there was no real big splash last time. The right. polls didn't move a lot. Nobody really made any serious headway. If it doesn't happen tonight, and so far it hasn't happened, it, it feels to it's, me like it's kind of over. I, like, I think like the we, train is leaving the station. Exactly. I think everybody knows where it's headed. This is more of a debate, I think, for second place than, than to surpass Trump. Obviously, Trump's, what, at least 40 points ahead yeah. uh, of Ron DeSantis, who's sliding perhaps yeah. into third or fourth place at this point. Um, so I think all eyes right now really on former President Trump giving that speech in Michigan, being with the people, being with the working class that Joe Biden says he's one of, yet he spent 12 minutes with them yesterday. Now he's out in California spending all his time with uh, donors. I think we know who's more important important to Joe Biden these days. Look, and the, exactly the way right. Donald Trump is talking, he's talking like a general candidate, a, a general candidate yeah. already. We've moved general election candidate. We've moved off the primary. It is about Joe Biden versus Donald Trump. This is what the other Republican candidates don't get. They don't understand that their focus should have been to attack Joe Biden to even have a chance at uh, getting close to Donald Trump. But, you know, I think what, what you're seeing is there, the president's been able, President Trump has been able to bring together more Republicans, get them more pumped up. As we know, the vast majority of Republican voters are conservatives. Mm -hmm. And so they have a more and more aligned with the president. You know, I'm keeping an eye. We all are on the debate. It feels very, very corporate. There's something about it, not, <laughs> as, uh, no, not as kind of raucous as the last one yeah. Yeah. and uh, much tamer. And I love the Reagan Library. Uh, I was there once 20 years ago, but it's just a much more subdued affair. I don't know what the significance is other than, well, I guess that's kind of the establishment out there. Right. How, how do you think anybody makes a dent at this point? How, how do you think that happens? Can that even happen? I don't know. Uh. Give uh, Chris Christie a wedgie. I mean, something. <laughs> I, you got to do something crazy, I think. And maybe not. Maybe you just... Something's going to happen. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> Look, the RNC has to make a decision here. They can't keep pushing this uh, this like in the box type of model, right? right? They keep just giving the debates to Fox. It's not going anywhere. They can't get Donald Trump on the stage. And in essence, it's making the RNC look very poorly right now. And they've got to figure out a better way to make sure that this this situation gets settled. We're not we're not into the politics of back of 2016 when there was a true primary. This is a very different deal that, that we are right now in. All right. Matt Gates, I believe, is standing by. He is taking a break from uh, blowing up Washington, D.C. <laughs> uh, Congressman Gates, Republican of Florida. Uh, welcome back uh, to Newsmax. Uh, your thoughts tonight. Are you keeping an eye on the debate? 
Well, I was watching that great speech from President Trump, and we've all heard a lot of Trump speeches. That is probably the wonkiest and most detailed policy speech I've ever heard Donald Trump give, and I am here yeah. for it. That was a diagram of how Trump policies affected kitchen table issues in one of the most important states in the electoral map for the upcoming general election. And it seemed also to me that Donald Trump is intent to put electric vehicles on the ballot in this election. He spent a lot of time talking about the transition to hell. And you got a, a really, really detailed explanation of what you could expect in a Trump presidency regarding the renegotiation of trade deals, yet again, to put the American worker first. You didn't see stuff like this with workers feeling left behind constantly in the Trump presidency because we had a blue collar boom animated by uh, a lot of those regulation changes, a lot of those trade policy changes. Uh, and we didn't have to live under this kind of phony uh, climate religion that seems to have yeah. infected every element of the Biden administration. Uh, as for the debate, like, whoa, what a weird start. Stuart Varney tries to say one of the other moderators' names, blows it, then tries to say it again, gives up, and just says Univision. It was, <laughs> it was amazing. If you haven't seen that clip, I, I didn't oh, know what, what to expect yikes, after that. Yikes, I love Stuart I Barney, like Stuart actually. Too. Yeah, it's There's some bad. good guys yeah. over there, Fox in general, we're kind of mad at, but, uh, oh boy, that's, that's tough. That is so, Congressman, I wanted to ask you real quick, I mean, just to hear, I mean, when you listen to Biden speak to these same people, you know, and, and he speaks in such generalities because I think he knows in his heart of hearts that he's, he's not doing anything for these people. So how do you really speak to them? How do, how do you talk to specific things that you've done, you know, for, for working class Americans when everything that you're doing is gutting their life from immigration to, to wages and inflation? Everything that they do, everything that Washington does makes it harder, makes the middle class in this country smaller. They create an elite class and very poor people, not much in between. That's what you always see when the left takes over a country. They try to talk to these people. He has nothing to say. It's brilliantly stated, Rob. They got platitudes from Joe yeah. Biden, they got policies from Donald Trump. I mean, Donald Trump is up there walking through the uh, specifics of changes in trade policy as a consequence of USMCA. He's calling out specific deals with uh, specific nations that changed during his presidency. He used the example of saving money on Air Force One to show how he would get the best deal for the American worker. And it, it there was an entertainment value too that is so naturally Trump, where he's up there uh, sharing lighthearted moments about negotiations where common sense prevails as a consequence of his presence behind the Resolute Desk. And it, it does uh, really contrast with the technocratic, almost lecture series that seems to be going on in the junior varsity debate on that other channel. You know, <laughs> good stuff, Matt, uh, Congressman. You know, it's wild. I mean, some judge, and this was fraudulent, quite frankly, an example of fraud, just yesterday came out and ruled that Donald Trump committed all this fraud. It's not even the elephant in the room. No one's thinking about it. No one's talking about it. It's just another, I think the people understand wait, wait, it. Wait a second, another, wait a second. Yeah. Greg, isn't your favorite part of that that they said Mar-a-Lago was worth $18 million? I mean, <laughs> I'll, I'll I've buy it right now. I'll, I'll mortgage it for a thousand years. I'll, I'll listen, take it. I'll take 10 of them. I'll <laughs> yeah, exactly. take 10 of them if it's $18 million for, That is one of the most exquisite assets in the world. It's yeah. one of one. There's not another property on Palm Beach Island that goes from the intercoastal waterway to the uh, uh, ocean. The tennis court there would probably be what that judge assessed. So as a Florida man, I think it's pretty funny that you got New York judges trying to tell us what uh, one one of the really great, uh, uh, really diamonds of the, the Florida real estate market uh, would be worth. 
Real estate expert Letitia James, uh, you know, she, she knows a lot about South Florida real estate. Well, Jen, Mercedes, right. yeah. what do you think? I mean, I, I love it that the people get it. The people get it. That yeah. judge doesn't. Letitia James doesn't. The uh, mainstream media doesn't. But everybody else does. Yeah. I mean, I got to tell you, this attack towards the Trump organization, this is an outrage. It shows how far uh, the judicial system is going to go to take down the Trump family. It's not even about President Trump anymore. It's about take. It's about the kids. It's about uh, making sure that they can go bankrupt. This is what the Democrats and the leftists yeah. do. Their playbook is that of pushing these legal, uh, you know, pushing lawsuits against the family and trying to say, you know, get them out of business. And I just think that this is where you know that it's gone way too far. And, and who could yeah. forget the, the video reel that we've seen uh, Eric Trump post of Letitia James and, and we're going to get him, we're going to get Donald yeah. Trump real good. And, you know, we see that, that it's obviously purely political here. The American people say, you know what? Yeah, Trump is the one in the way. They're after us. Um, and they're fed up with it. I mean, Trump even said after the third indictment, one more indictment <laughs> and I will have secured uh, the nomination, I'll secure the election. And I, I think he's right. And, and Congressman, if, if you're still there, the, the victim in this case it was the funniest part. The victim are these ma major banks that loaned Trump tens of millions or hundreds of millions of dollars and made tens of millions of dollars in interest, never had any problem with it at all, never complained about it at all, made a fortune. They're the victims in this case because, because Trump said that his assets were worth more to, to, to be able to attain a, a larger loan, which he paid back in full interest and that bank made a fortune. So that's, that's the victim right. in this crime. That's the crime they're trying to allege. Yeah, the victims seem to do pretty well, but this yeah. is just hilarious to anyone who understands real estate development. The, the, every asset class in the world, yeah. uh, the developer believes it is uh, has has the highest appreciation for it. But here, you're literally talking about you know Donald Trump, who has some of the world's greatest assets, and they're trying to say that the businesses that made money in partnership with Donald Trump as a consequence of financing his deals somehow need the great protection of Tish James. And Jen is totally right. This is the living out of the Tish, Tish James like revenge fantasy with Donald Trump. It's not actual law enforcement. And it is a dangerous thing in this country to see the fusion of criminal justice and politics in such a weaponized way. I think Congress should be doing more to assert our equities here. And it speaks directly to this fight that I'm in right now about government funding, because the continuing resolutions that Kevin McCarthy uh, backs time and time again do nothing to actually constrain the Department of Justice, where they're egging on Fonnie Willis, where they're uh, bootstrapping statutes together to try to constrain a legal regime to take Donald Trump out of the game and for the sake of democracy, limit the choice of voters. This is the st stuff you see in banana republics. Yeah. It's not what we should see in America. Can I ask you real quick, is the government going to shut down? Yeah, probably. I mean, look, we're doing the best we can now. We were poorly led during uh, the last few months and we didn't get the appropriations bills in line, but we were do debating amendments till three in the morning last night. We're going to be debating amendments and voting on them till midnight tonight. We've done more legislating, Rob, in the last 48 hours than we've done in the last eight months. And it's because I'm demanding, along with uh, other courageous conservatives, that we take up these single subject spending bills, open them up for amendments, take votes. Some are going to win. Some are going to lose, but we should fund the government like with single subject bills, one agency at, at a time, not one lump together vote on every disparate thing the government does. I, yes or no. Can I just ask you one more question? There's a rumor going around that, that McCarthy has said that he can't take up any bill uh, that, that, that funds Ukraine but doesn't fix our southern border. Is that true? And, and your thoughts? 
You've been very yeah, critical. No, we're, we're, we're against the Mitch McConnell plan to just fund everything the way it's been funded for another 47 days yeah. and then lump on top of that billions more for Ukraine, lump on top of that disaster relief, and lump on top of that something that they call border security, but indeed is just money to more rapidly process illegal aliens into the country. That's not something we're for. We'll be unified in opposition to that in the House Republican Caucus. All right, Congressman Gates, we appreciate it. Uh, I'd say say hi to the speaker, but uh, maybe you're not <laughs> the best guy to give that message. To. Yeah, maybe Real you quick, do you guys him. ever talk like, you know, offline or is it is really tense? How would you characterize relationship? Uh, he never calls. He never writes. But uh, I won't be expecting a Christmas card. But look, we got work to do. The American people expect us to be serious and do our jobs. That's what I'm trying to do here. Get our government to act and fund its enterprise in the most serious and responsible way. Congressman Matt Gates, we appreciate it very much. Thank you, guys. All right. Mr. Whitaker, former, attorney, former acting attorney general, is standing by. And I think we're about to put him on television. Uh, there he is. There he is. Okay. <laughs> Uh, what do you think, uh, Mr. A.G.? And can I just say, you know, the four indictments, five indictments, this lawsuit, whatever, it all seems to be seriously helping in a way that I I think, you know, in 16, they were talking about the tweets. Now they're talking about it was what was Trump going to do next? It's like, what are they going to do next against him? Anyway, take it away, sir. Well, it's so good to be with so many of my friends all at one time. But, you know, obviously. It's like a therapy session, Matt. It's like a therapy session. <laughs> okay. It is. And, you know, as I see, uh, you know, all of these cases, obviously, the American people, I think, to your earlier point, see right through this. I mean, they know what's happening. They know that the left is absolutely terrified of Donald Trump being in charge of the executive branch again because he was so effective for the first four years. And given another four years, he will actually be able to make lasting and permanent change to not only the swamp and not only to drain it to some extent, but also to make those kind of like fundamental changes, like moving some of the departments out of Washington, D.C., like, you know, putting more judges on the Supreme Court and on the courts of appeals and in the district courts. And so, you know, you look at what President Trump was able to do and accomplish. And I think, you know, that is the left fears that dramatically. And so they're trying to derail him with legal process. And that's not going to work. The American people see right through it. Matt, Jen Pellegrino here. It's good to see you. Right what do you make of, of the contrast that we see here? You know, Trump obviously announcing this visit to, visit to Michigan uh, a while back. Biden then says, oh, I'm going to. And he shows up the day before, spends 12 minutes with the auto workers. Uh, he's out in California today fundraising. Uh, Trump's there with these auto workers. He's there with the working class people. What do you make of that as, as the Biden campaign is, is scrambling right now, seeing the polls, seeing that, uh, you know, Washington Post, Trump 10 points ahead and in a hypothetical general yeah. election. Yeah, General, I see it like firsthand in my home state of Iowa, where, you know, he has fundamentally changed uh, the landscape here politically. And it's because he divorced the Republican Party from corporate America and, and married it to the American worker. And that's the most important thing. And, you know, as I travel the state and this country, you know, I just know that Donald Trump, as he talked about tonight, his policies work for ordinary Americans, for American families, for the American worker. And I think that's what the left has completely lost track of. You know, they are big city elites, overeducated, left-wing white liberals that have, you know, are, have become so entitled they can't even see beyond 
you know, their three houses that they own in on the three coasts, you know, and it's just it's kind of sad and pathetic. But at the same time, Donald Trump gets it and his policies work for ordinary Americans. All right. Former AG Matt Whitaker, sir. Good to have you on. All right. See you, my friends. All right. Coming up, we're going to have uh, some of the GOP primary debate. We're, we're carefully filtering through it to find the things that aren't going to put you to sleep so that we can give you the highlight reel and then you don't have to watch it. That's what we're doing. Plus, we're going to have an exclusive interview with former President Trump. Our John Bachman is there uh, in Michigan with the president. That's all coming up. Stay tuned. Hello, everybody. We're back. And Rob, I think we got a little tidbit to share with the folks. It's from the debate. Ooh. Let's check it out. During the Trump administration, they added $7 trillion, $7 trillion in national debt. And now the Biden administration has put another $5 trillion on and counting. They have failed, and they're in the spot they're in now because none of them are willing to tell the truth. None of them are willing to take on the difficult issues. They just want to keep kicking the can down the road. Is he alleging that he would be able to do these things? Because that's pretty is, is he getting his talking points from the Biden White House? I mean, it's it, it, think about what Reagan said in 1980. Are you better off than you were four years ago? And I think a lot of Americans can say I'm not doing so well compared to where I was when Trump was in office. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, I mean, and that's when you're looking at Christie, where they're trying to blame Donald Trump on the economy, which God only knows that under Donald Trump, we had one of the most successful economies. He brought back 500 and 10,000 manufacturing jobs back to America. He was the one fighting against China when it came to free and fair uh, reciprocal trade. Uh, He renegotiated these trade deals. It was what he was able to talk about today in Michigan. Again, I think for Christie, he's taking, uh, Governor Christie is taking the talking points from Ron DeSantis. And I think that's a failed strategy in trying to take down Donald Trump. Somehow, Chris Christie thinks that he can beat Donald Trump. He got beat at the last debate. And his big calling card is, I can beat Trump. Well, he's looking to try to place pretty high in New Hampshire. That's his only hope. But Nikki Haley's up there with him. And you're also seeing donors shift from Ron DeSantis to a Nikki Haley. But again, she's so obsessed with this Ukraine funding, which I know is a big dividing point for the Republican Party. But as far as a debate, he says he could clean his clock. I mean, he did come in last place in the last debate, (laughs) basically, right? Yes. All right. (laughs) I think Caroline Levitt, spokesperson for uh, MAGA Inc., is standing by, along with David Harris, Jr., author, speaker, and one of uh, our favorite podcasts, by the way. Uh, Welcome, everybody. What would you guys think? David, first to you. Uh, Knocked it out of the park. I mean, it's I love listening to President Donald, Donald Trump. You can tell he loves this country. He makes it very, very clear what he would do. Uh, and he knows better than anybody. I, I continue to share this on my podcast. I share it when I'm speaking at, at different events. Uh, he knows because he's been on the inside now. You know, he was kind of in the back and on both sides. He had donated to both Democrats and Republicans uh, when he was not in politics. And uh, I think he thought he had a good gauge on what was happening in the swamp then. But, you know, nothing nothing proved, I think, more serious for him to really understand the, uh, uh, the depravity of so many individuals on both sides than being there. So now he understands. And nobody else holds a candle to what they're going to do when they get in office and the continued threats. Uh, the the judges that are going after him, the judgments, the, the latest Mar-a-Lago right. absolute debacle when there's— 2.3 acres, I think I saw down the road on West Palm, that's for like $150 million. And here you've got 17 acres of Mar-a-Lago. 
that this judge says is, is worth 18. It's just asinine. So that's, that's waking the American people up. They know it's shady, and they know they want to keep him out of office and try to keep him from running for a reason. And to me, all the people that I keep running into, that just means that's all the more reason why they need to support President Donald Trump in 2024. Hey, Caroline, you know, uh, Jen Pellegrino here. One thing that, you know, Trump said he repeated a lot tonight was the line, I will never surrender. And, you know, I just keep watching as he goes to event after event, rally after rally, um, you know, meeting with the American people, obviously spent four years in the White House proving what he can do, wants to uh, take the country back to where it was uh, several years ago when he was in office. But then you look at Joe Biden and there was a piece out this week in Axios uh, that, you know, Team Biden is one of their big concerns right now is him staying upright physically. Uh, is he going to fall again? Is he going to, uh, you know, fall apart right before the election? What's going to happen to him? Talk to us about what's going on with Trump right now. Uh, the stamina he has being out there, the energy he gets from the people and after indictment after indictment, how it really seems to just strengthen him even more. Yeah, definitely. President Trump has never been stronger physically and also in a stronger position to win. He is dominating the primary. And by the way, his speech tonight in Michigan was a heck of a lot more entertaining than the JV softball game <laughs> that's going on on the other network. And it really was, in my humble opinion, the best policy-rich speech, most enthusiastic policy-driven speech that President Trump has ever given. And I worked in his White House, and it's easy to forget just how many remarkable accomplishments he ushered through, and only he could do it by renegotiating NAFTA, the rip-off trade deal that Joe Biden long supported, by pulling the United States out of Obama, the Obama-era globalist TPP deal. He slapped China in the face with tariffs to give the auto workers a fair playing field. And then, of course, he reinvigorated our domestic energy industry. He, he actually utilized the resources that God blessed us with here in the United States. And he supports, what does he support? He supports gas and diesel powered vehicles, which are the backbone of this auto industry. While Joe Biden is supporting this disastrous communist job killing electric vehicle mandate, not just on these workers and the auto companies, but on the American public. Joe Biden wants to tell us what cars to drive. We have entered a socialist communist era under this president. And Donald Trump said it tonight, and he's 100% right. If these auto workers don't support him, they will be penniless and jobless with four more years of Joe Biden and his globalist policies in the White House. And if they think that Biden's ever going to turn around and do what's right for them, he never will. He's put China first and America last his entire career because he's owned by China. He's compromised by them. We now know that with all of the evidence that's been revealed. So you want America first policies, vote for Donald Trump. That's all I got to say tonight. <laughs> David, I've got to ask you a quick question here. We just saw this past week, this ABC News Washington Post poll, where you saw Donald Trump up by 10 against Joe Biden. I thought the most interesting piece of that poll was the independent voter definitely swinging towards Donald Trump. What is causing this shift towards Donald Trump? Well, I think it's uh, I think it's the nonstop onslaught attacks against him. You know, like I said, it's it's waking people up. Right. I mean, when you have Snoop Dogg, I had to actually put a video out uh, putting Snoop Dogg in his place. OK, because Snoop Dogg came out with a video that was very vulgar, dropping F-bomb after F-bomb, saying, if you think you're going to vote for that, you know, M or F or Trump, you're stupid. He was going off. I said, wait a minute, why in the world are we supposed to listen to a guy that's worth $150 million that made that money by degrading women, 
by decimating the black community, by promoting uh, young black men, gang and, and gang bang and rob stores and do drugs and everything else. It's like all the other disgusting stuff. And then it hit me. It hit me. Somebody at the White House must have called Snoop Dogg because they <laughs> thought he had some street cred with the black community uh, when it came to politics. So they're like, Snoop, please do a video. Tell people don't vote for Donald Trump. But that's too late. I've shared so many black and brown videos. Uh, people, black and brown people that have shared videos where they're supporting Donald Trump. I was just in California, uh, Southern California, this last weekend. And I gotta, I gotta tell you, I'm wearing my Trump gear everywhere I go. They're, they're after you. Uh, I'm just in the way with the amazing mugshot. People all over California are telling me they're saying yes, yes. People were asking, they were like, can you tell President Trump to come to California? We would show up. Californians, are, are, are you kidding me, are waking up. They want President Donald J. Trump. Yeah. And I tell everybody when they see it, they say, where do you get that shirt? I say, go get it at lovethatmerch.com. We need an <laughs> army of people showing their support because it gets people talking about why they support President Trump. And more people are coming out of the closet for their support for this man than ever before. It's a beautiful thing to see. Uh, and that's what I think is waking people up. Well, that's beautiful. Thank you very much. <laughs> very, very beautiful. What's that website again? LoveThatMerch.com. Merch. Okay. Oh, very merch. good. Oh. David Harris Jr. and Caroline Levitt, thank you very, very much. Thanks, thank you so much. All right. Our coverage continues. I'm Rob Schmidt here along with uh, Greg Kelly tonight. There is a meaningless Republican presidential <laughs> debate underway. Notably absent, though, is the top Republican candidate who's already out campaigning in the general election, which makes the Fox business debate even more entertaining. Former President Trump maintains a sweeping lead over the other GOP candidates debating right now. It is not even close.